Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So, um, I see there's a, a few uh, empty spaces and a few, little, a few less people than are uh, usually here, uh, which didn't surprise me. Um, you're probably not basketball fans, are you? Are there, bas- are there really big basketball ball fans here? My goodness, what are you doing here? <laughs> do you have, do you have a, a tape? Uh, no? What's that? Oh, you're a Celtics fan. Oh, well. That, 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 see, yeah, yeah. Are there any big Golden State Warrior fans here? I didn't think so. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not so. Yeah. <laughs> So, for those who don't know, right now is the uh, is game one as we speak of the um, NBA uh, Finals um, of the Golden State Warriors, and uh, so it's interesting, kind of giving a talk when the thing that you've been most passionate about is going on. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, uh, thank goodness for modern technology, and uh, my son will be uh, watching the game with me um, when I get home. Actually, I saw the first half, and I won't say anything to anyone, um, which it makes for a, a, a rather um, slimmer talk but uh, but I had I had reflected on it before uh, before the game started. I was debating. Well, will I spend from six to seven thirty in deep reflection on the Dharma, or will I just let my heart completely go to where it wants to go? So, um, but sometimes I can uh, uh, some something uh, can come out anyway. Um, and as maybe, uh, if you've been here before, you know that I'm, you know, sports are, sports, particularly basketball, is a, a passion of mine. Uh, and I've, I've told this story, I'll share it once again. For me, it was the turning point in me surrendering to the Dharma uh, in the, the first, first year of. Um, First year of um, uh, being introduced to the practice, it was that summer in 1974 um, at Naropa um, when I was falling in love with with the Dharma, with the practice. Uh, and this this one class of Joseph's Joseph's Essential Buddhism class, I happened to be wearing my New York Knicks T-shirt. Uh, and I was a season ticket holder to the New York Knicks in those days. Their glory years, their the best years with Willis Reed and Walt Frazier and Earl the Pearl Monroe, my favorite player. And I can just rattle off the whole team, but I won't. 
And, uh, but the thought occurred to me, oh my goodness, I had this awful thought that I went up to Joseph after the, after the class. It was the first time I had the gumption to, to speak to him because I was kind of in awe of him. But this was so important that I decided to go up and I said, um, I'm a season ticket holder to uh, the New York Knicks. If I really get into this stuff, am I going to go to Madison Square Garden and just watch the game and go, nice shot, Frazier. Good move, Havlicek. Good pass. We're all... Because I wasn't ready to sign on if that was where it was leading. Uh, It was the key question. And he, in all his wisdom gave the perfect answer. He said, you'll probably still be passionately uh, enjoying the game, but you'll probably get off for, uh, over losses a bit sooner. I said, okay, I'm, I'm in. So I can get um, very intense over a silly game. Uh, at least I have gotten intense over football, but these days it's, it doesn't hold the same grip as it used to. Uh, but basketball is such poetry. Um, and just a little bit of an aside to catch you up on the reality that millions of people are in, uh, which kind of is one of the things that, um, well, you should, you should know, being in the Bay Area, and anyone listening from wherever you are uh, might know, that um, the thing I love most about sports is teamwork, where everybody, when it's really, really in sync, everybody is bringing out the best in everybody, in, in all the players. And that's what often makes a champion where it's really team and the whole is much greater than the sum of its parts. There's a beautiful book by uh, Phil Jackson called Sacred Hoops. Uh, And Phil Jackson, who is considered one of the best coaches of all time, uh, brought in uh, George Mumford as a meditation, mindfulness meditation uh, teacher uh, on his... Um, successful, incredibly successful teams. They won like six championships in Chicago, and then he went to Los Angeles, and he won three more championships, four more championships there. Um, uh, again, with teaching mindfulness to everyone. But the book Sacred Hoops is about his philosophy. He was on that Knicks team that I was on the uh, that I was a ticket holder. Um, and uh, his philosophy of going from me to we and, and having the, the players buy into it where um, you, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And the, the Golden State Warriors, this year's team, to give you just a, a sense of, of, of it, and this, I think this is a, a Dharma kind of a, a perspective, they were a good team. They've been a mediocre team for like 25 years or so or more. Um, and then the last few years, they were a good team, talented and exciting. Not a great team, but a really good team. And then this year, 
a new coach came in who um, won five, was on five championship teams as a player, uh, three under Phil Jackson and two under another coach who's considered the best coach now, Greg Popovich, uh, and he really understood the team concept and really smart. He was, he's never been a coach before, but everybody knew he was born to be a coach. His name is Steve Kerr. And he, um, uh, he was a, he's a TV color commentator for years. And then he finally got, was, was asked to take over this team. Um, and with the same exact team, they didn't acquire any superstars. They have one superstar who's become a, a superstar. His name is Steph Curry. Um, how many people have heard of Steph Curry? Okay, good. Yeah. Who's very, really neat guy. But anyway, um, he, with the same exact team... He went to uh, each player and he said, I want you to be a part of something special where we're going to give up our egos and we're going to um, uh, focus on how we can bring out the best in each other. And they went from being the team with the fewest passes last year to the team who passed the ball way more than any other team and was by far uh, statistically best in defense, best in offense, and is now statistically, through Nate Silver's 538 kind of thing, rated just below those uh, Phil Jackson, the two top Phil Jackson teams, as statistically the best team ever in how they've played. So um, it's been really exciting. I haven't missed, except for when I did a, a self-retreat, I haven't missed any game this year. And I will see this one when I come back. So anyway, there is this incredible attachment. Oh my goodness. It's Thursday, and it's game one, and I'm giving a Dharma talk. And... and um, this can can definitely uh, thank goodness, as I said, that TV and uh, DVRs and stuff make make a difference. But uh, just watching that wanting and watching the intensity and watching um, the um, just the second noble truth of the wanting mind and uh, what I wanted to do as we explore this a little bit was um, first read to you a, a passage from, um, from the Pali Canon. Actually, it's not Pali Canon. It's the uh, Yogacara Bhumi, Bhumi Sutra. It's a Mahayana text. Um, Castles made of sand. Remember, it was more than just a Jimi Hendrix song. And this is, the, uh, this is the parable. Some children were playing beside a river. They made castles of sand, and each child defended his castle and said, This one is mine. They kept their castles separate 
and would not allow any mistakes about which was whose. When the castles were all finished, one child kicked over someone else's castle and completely destroyed it. The owner of the castle flew into a rage, pulled the other child's hair, struck him with his fist, and bawled out, He has spoiled my castle. Come along, all of you, and help me to punish him as he deserves. The others all came to his help. They beat the child with a stick and then stomped on him as he lay on the ground. Kind of gruesome tale. Then they went on playing in their sandcastles, each saying, this is mine, no one else may have it, keep away, don't touch my castle. But evening came, it was getting dark, and they all thought they ought to be going home. No one now cared about what became of his castle. One child stomped on his, another pushed his over with both hands. Then they turned away and went back, each to his home. How interesting how we can become so attached to our castles made of sand or our experience in, in this moment as if it was everything that mattered, as if it were uh, life or death, including your basketball team winning, And yet, sooner or later, it's all just castles made of sand. One thing that I that I found very relevant to this story is about the coach Steve Kerr, who um, I was just reading an article uh, yesterday uh, in a bit more depth than I'd heard. When he was a, um, in college at 18 and playing for Arizona, he got word that his father, who was the uh, president of American, the American University in Beirut, Lebanon, was uh, assassinated in Lebanon as a part of a uh, terrorist kind of a thing. It turned out that it was, uh, it was um, Hezbollah, I think. And he got this news. Actually, two of his family were in Taiwan. One was in, um, I forget, uh, Cairo, that's right. And he was all by himself, except for his teammates. And uh, it changed his life. And one of his, uh, and he's he's a really good guy, as maybe you're getting so far. But one of his his teammates from college was talking about how it affected him, 
And uh, this guy said, you know, he's always been just an extraordinary, exceptional human being. But what happened with that was, um, from that point on, as much as he loved basketball, he really understood it was just a game. And that there are more important things than basketball. And he still has that philosophy. It just is passionate about doing your best and winning and competing. But in the end, it's all just a game. It's all just a castle made of sand. And to have that attitude to be both passionate about something, to care so much, and yet to see in the bigger picture what really matters. This is a, um, a lesson that I think we can all learn or keep on getting more and more deeply how important things are to us, how attached we can be and deeply care. And it's important, I think, to care. As, as Ramdas uh, says, you know, this is the only dance there is. This is our life. And so to show up fully for your life, but to see that bigger perspective where It's just a game. And whatever we're going through now is part of our lesson that life is offering to us to learn, to wake up to, to see without getting so invested that we forget that whatever lesson we're supposed to learn is available to us if we see it, whether it's a beautiful moment to savor it but not hold on to it, whether it's a really challenging moment to open up to it with courage and fearlessness and uh, as best we can hold our pain hold our fear, hold our anxiety, hold our loss or our grief, and learn from that as well. Or whatever we might get involved in as our big theme for now, our relationship hassle, if you're going through a relationship hassle, our job difficulty, our current situation that we're dealing with, whatever it is, we can tend to get really lost in the urgency of it. It seems so important. Somebody who, uh, who's, uh, who's a really close friend uh, is feeling, they're feeling so pressured by having a number of different things that they have to attend to. And they're really, um, it's weighing on them. 
And when we look at all the things, they're all just stuff on their to-do list. There's not one that's like a life or death situation. There's, oh, they've committed to this, and they've committed to that, and this deadline will be due. But when you, when we look at it, it's all small stuff. It's just, it can feel like a lot of pressure. And we can put that pressure on ourselves, making all of these different balls that are in the air seem so important and then starting to uh, implode in that. That's where I, I've shared one of my uh, ongoing mottos that's, that served me so well for that internalized pressure. I've mentioned it here before. Behind is just a state of mind that you'll never get to the end of your to-do list and all you can do is show up the best you can. And having what um, Carlos Castaneda, if you remember the, the Don Juan books, called Controlled Folly. Do you remember that? Controlled folly. Acting as if every moment counts. Acting as if this is the last moment of your life and yet knowing in another perspective it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter in the big picture. What matters is our relationship to what's happening. But this life that this human being is going through, you know, in that bigger picture, the earth is going to keep on going on, or you are not as indispensable as you thought. Very rude awakening. Um, and that your own drama is just your drama. And it's an important one. It's one to really honor but in the bigger thing, in the bigger scheme of things, it's just controlled folly acting as if it counts, and yet it doesn't. Everything is coming and going, and all the things that matter so much, or all the sweet moments, are there to be experienced fully. And then let go. I, as I was, uh, I was going for a walk this afternoon, and I, 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 I treat, decided to treat myself. I said, you know, you deserve a. I was just every now and then I say, you deserve a little treat, um, and I gave myself a, a what, an, an iced mocha frappuccino. Right? I don't do that very often. I do it at airports. That's when I when I do it, but. I thought, you know, I smoke a Frappuccino. That would be good. And I was there for it. I really was there for it. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, because, you know, and I knew I was going to give a talk tonight, so I wanted to especially say I was there for it. But I was there for it. Just, mmm, this is good. Mmm, this is good. It's still good. It's still good. And then after a while, gone. No more 
I smoke a frappuccino except somewhere in, in the stomach that's being processed. And that's a little bit like our life. It's all just fleeting moments of iced mocha frappuccino (laughs) or maybe something else that's not quite as sweet or a bitter pill to swallow. But it comes and it goes. In one discourse, the Buddha uh, is... Uh, giving some instructions to a new uh, a, a, a kind of um, wet behind the ears uh, practitioner who was uh, is is keeping him company and uh, this practitioner Magia, uh is um, he goes off and tries to to meditate uh, in in this uh, mango grove. After begging the Buddha, he says, please, let me go meditate. And, and the Buddha first says, you know, we're here by ourselves, Magia, because he was his attendant for a little while. Why don't you just spend time with me? And Magia says, I found this really great mango grove to meditate. Can I go? And the Buddha says, he has a sense that Magia is not quite ripe. And he says, I'm, I, keep me company. You know, I'm here by myself. Why don't, we, why don't you just keep me company? But Magia, very insistent, for the third time, which is always the charm, says, you, Lord, have done what needs to be done. I still need to practice. Please, can I go and practice? And the Buddha, as he often would say, now is the time for you to do as you see fit. If you really want to go, go ahead. So Magia goes to this mango grove and meditates. He's going to do his own intensive retreat. And he sits and um, his mind is, he says, um, how amazing. I'm sitting here and my mind is filled with thoughts of, um, of sense desire, ill will, and cruelty. And I've just, I've, join this order and want to practice so so diligently. My mind is everywhere. He goes back to the Buddha and he says, you'll never guess what happened, basically. And the Buddha says, yeah, well, that can sometimes happen. Uh, and, then, and then the Buddha gives him some um, advice if you're new to practice, things to keep in mind. And one of those things... There were five in all, but the the fifth was to have an ongoing reflection on impermanence. No matter what else is happening, to keep on reflecting on anicca, to keep on reflecting on whatever is happening now is not going to last. Whether it's fantastic not going to last. Or whether it's really the pits, it's not going to last. That that is one of the great protections and reflections if you can really get it. This is from the Diamond Sutta. 
the Diamond Sutra, I should say. It's a Mahayana text. He says, or it is said, Thus shall ye think of all this fleeting world, a star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. Thus shall ye think of all this fleeting world, a star at dawn. You know that star just before the sun takes over and you can't see it? A star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. And that's another reason why the Buddha uh, encouraged us to reflect every day on the fact that uh, we can at any moment uh, become ill or sooner or later we will become old or that we will die or that everything and everyone near and dear to us will be separated from us or that we are Our karma is our only possession because everything else goes. So I want to just ask you for a few moments to go inside and make this uh, relevant to your own life. What is really important to you right now. If there is something that's really important, and I I don't say that with any judgment, just what's up for you now? What's the most important thing? What might there be some attachment to? Working out just the right way. Or maybe there's some anxiety or fear that it won't work out or that it might change or that there's the vast unknown in front of you. What's really important for you? And notice for a moment the attachment if there is, that things work out a certain way. And now, just like those children who at the end of the day had to leave their sandcastles, Perhaps propel yourself into the future, whether it's six months from now 
or five years from now, or 10 years from now, and look back at this moment, this issue, this situation, this sandcastle that means so much. And perhaps seeing it like all the other sandcastles that have meant so much as you were growing up, as you were in elementary school or junior high or high school when everything matters so much. Or young adulthood or all the relationships that were so crucial to your well-being that perhaps are not even in your life anymore or have changed. And just see, if you can, hold this particular thing that's up for you as another sandcastle that really matters because that's what this chapter of your life is asking you to show up for. But holding it with a much lighter grip. So that you care, but there's that wide perspective of equanimity and balance that just allows for things to unfold as they do. Springing the wise perspective of equanimity that just allows things to unfold and see that it's all part of your journey. We just live from castles made of sand from one to another and we can enjoy the ride or learn to be with things just as they are. Notice what is available to you if you can just let go of the grip a bit and move from the second noble truth of needing things to be a certain way to the freedom of the third noble truth that allows things to just be as they are. Show up fully and then see what lesson life has for you. and seeing what's really important and what's just a castle made of sand.
Okay, so now, if you'd like, you can open your eyes, and uh, we can just have a conversation. Anything that might have come up from that, either about the topic, questions, comments, or sharing about practice, And speak right into the, the mic. Hi, I'm Tony. Hi, Tony. And um, real close to your mouth. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, um, I'm going through a transition right now where I'm leaving my full-time job and doing a lot of freelance work. Mm-hmm. And last week, um, I had fiascos right and left. It was like a fiasco fest. Mm-hmm. Every single hour. Oh, that's good, a fiasco fest. Yeah, yeah. something will yeah. go wrong, you know, like every time. You know? mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I, I literally, there were three nights where I would go to bed basically crying almost, right? Mm-hmm. And, but yet, while I was going through the experience, there was something about it um, that was very real. Um, I knew that I was angry and sad and desperate, and there was a reason for it. You were you knew you were angry, sad, and desperate, and that there was a reason for it. Yes, uh-huh. because I I have uh, depressive tendencies, and I know what it is to feel bad and not know. This thing was real, mm-hmm. so there was almost like a joy, the vive in the whole thing. Mm, you felt alive in that intensity. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like it at all, mm-hmm. but relative to these other things, it was a very strange moment, and mm-hmm. I think it has to do with that I've been. I've been meditating a lot lately, so I could kind of distance myself from the whole thing, you know? Even though I was suffering at the same time, mm-hmm. there was a second voice kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Then after everything happened, it, everything worked out eventually, of course, mm. like it usually does in life. Mm. But I also felt very, because I, it, it had been so hard and difficult and painful, there was this sort of like, like empty plane after that, like, almost like when you set fire to a flat land, and everything burns, and then you can clearly see. There was, and then there was this emptiness that was sort of like, it felt like opportunity to do, to do something different. So, mm. I mean, I wanted to share that experience. I think it's kind of connected to this mm-hmm. because it is the castle that got blown away, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that was two weeks of my life there. Mm. Mm. Thank you. So if I... If I understand you, with that intensity and your ability also to just see and hold it and feel the aliveness of it, and then things worked out and it gave there was space for something new. Um, how how powerful to go through that and not miss the fact that it changed. And now there's possibilities, new possibilities. So in some ways, going through that opens up to new possibilities. Mm, Thank you. So maybe the next time that you have a fiasco fest, you can remember, hmm, 
it's not always going to be like this, and there's something that it will lead to. That's great. Thank you. And in some ways, interestingly enough, if you didn't go through that, you wouldn't get that lesson. And so as painful as it is, just seeing that and, and seeing you can go through that is probably more important than things working out the way you would wanted to see, oh, you can survive a fiasco fest and it opens up into something else you, that you don't know. And that, that's, for me, the big, I've, I've shared this before, a big um, uh, gift of practice rather than trying to get to one amazing destination that you see that life is about being here for the ride no matter where it takes you. Then you can enjoy the ride instead of thinking, oh, this is the good part and now this is a mistake, whatever. And you wouldn't be able to go through that if, or you wouldn't be able to understand that if you weren't willing to go through that. So uh, thank you very much for sharing it. It's really important, the lesson that life gave you. Anything else? If not, you know where I'm going. Uh, <laughs> but but please, I, I I'm I'm committed to being here till nine thirty. <laughs> okay, so I just had to say this. I really hope the Warriors win. <laughs> I just can't take it. Go Seth. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. <laughs> yes, Mac. What? Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait till the uh, wait till the mic comes to you so everybody can hear. But remember, tomorrow all the children will leave the castles. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That and that's the thing. You know, it's it's actually an attitude that I I like to bring to the formal meditation. Just seeing it's all a game. So there you are, sitting, and make it like a game to see how present you can be. How, you know, just a, an awareness game. Or make it like a game to see how you can meet life. Or make it like a game to see that the game is just a game. Um, yeah. But until it's over, you, you know, there's, I, I think there's something really, um, mm, healthy about finding having some passionate outlet as long as you realize it's just a game then just let yourself feel that aliveness i think is a good thing and the best kind of passion uh at least uh, in terms of the dharma is to be passionate about the dharma be passionate about awakening and there is um Mm, that's a whole other kind of passion, uh, what's called spiritual passion. Uh, there's one list called the idipadas. I've talked about it here. I've given talks on it where there's a, a, a source, a fuel of passion around practice, uh, whether it is um, you naturally have a... Um, 
an enthusiastic temperament or you've been touched by the Dharma and it's so profound that it's like a moth to a flame and you, you have to keep on going for that freedom because you've been touched. Or you see the, the, um, uh, the fragility of life and want to make use of this, uh, this precious opportunity of a human birth. Or you, are, you have a temperament that says, I'm going for it and nothing's gonna, going to deter me. There, those are four, the four idipadas. Chanda idipada, virya idipada, chitta idipada, and vamamsa idipada. Where you f- there's a passion behind your, uh, your practice. But even with that, you can get attached and it's just another kind of attachment i've i'm not as free as i want to be and uh, uh and you can feel discouraged that will work against you but to feel passion to give your whole heart to it and um just play the game fully Anything else? Okay, why don't we uh, close with a loving kindness? Hmm, so... Just get in touch with your being and appreciate that there's something in you that draws you to come and practice and sit with the community and listen inside. There's something inside that loves the truth or yearns for inner peace. And just appreciate that, the wholesomeness of that. And send some kind, loving thoughts towards yourself. May I feel the passion for the truth. May I see my attachments as just castles made of sand and understand what's really important. May I bring equanimity and balance to my life that just allows things to unfold and meeting them wisely and heartfully. And may I feel all the goodness inside and share my love well.
And now to extend that to everyone else here in this room. May we all see clearly. May we all see through our attachments and learn to let go. May we all share our love well. And then sending this out to all beings everywhere as I want to be happy, happy, may all beings find happiness in their lives. As I want inner peace, may all beings find peace in their lives. As I want to experience freedom, may all know true freedom and the highest happiness. And may our coming here together be of benefit to everyone in our lives and ripple out to be of benefit to all beings everywhere. Thank you very much. Have a really good week. Uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And uh, stack the chairs very mindfully. Thank you.